Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Before you sit down, why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them they're in the right place at the right time right now. All right, you can be seated. Thank you for coming. And uh, we so much appreciate you making the effort to come this morning and being with us. We had a wonderful time at our 9 o'clock service, just a great time there. And looking forward to being with all of you and our online audience. So um, just a great, great time in the worshiping God and the presence of God. Uh, We are starting a new sermon series called The Altered Life, The Altered Life. And what we're talking about is God has to alter some things. He's got to change some things. They'll get a little bit more and defining what that means. But God wants to change and transform things in our lives. God is the God of transformation. God is the God of change, right? And so he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to keep you or leave you the same. He wants to change your life. And we're going to be talking about the book of First Peter. Most of our messages will come out of there. And Peter is talking to an audience who have been suffering persecution. The Christians there have been under oppression for their faith in God. In fact, many of them have been burned at the stake. Uh, Many of them have been thrown in a coliseum uh, with lions and their bodies being torn apart. And so uh, they feel a bit discouraged. They're wondering wondering what's going to happen to them. And Peter reminds them of who they are, and he begins to tell them, how Christ makes the difference in our lives. And he writes this to them out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But you are not like that. You are a special group of people that God has chosen. So everyone in here, you're special, believe it or not. He said, You serve God like a priest who serve a king. You are his own holy people who belong to him. He has taken you out of a dark place of sin, and he has brought you into a great light. He has done all this so that you can tell people how great he is. In past times, you were not a people who knew God. I love this. But now you are God's people. In past times, God did not forgive you, but now he's been very kind to you, and he has forgiven you. Thank God for forgiveness. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us as we dive in to this message today. So, Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that your Word is true today. From the very time that it was written, it's still true today for our lives. It applies to our lives. It's not a fairy tale. It's not something that's ancient or something that's not relevant. But, God, your Word is very relevant. And, God, I pray that you would open our hearts today, our mind, our soul to the Word of God. And remove every distraction. And Lord, help us to be open to what the Holy Spirit says through the Word of God today. I pray let the people hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. So this series, again, is called The Altered Life. And what does it mean to be altered? It means to change or to cause change. In a character or composition, uh, change can happen in a small way, but or it could small it could happen in small increments, 
but it's a very significant change. Uh, the word alter can actually mean like altering or making changes to a structure. They altered the dining room. They altered this side of the building. Or a lot of us are familiar with when a tailor begins to work on your clothing and he's got to alter your clothing in order for you to fit in it a little bit better, right? And we've had our clothes altered before. Maybe you've had to have, you had to alter your plans. You had to make a change of plan. Or some of us today, we could relate to this. If you gave up social media, it would radically alter your life. Some of you are saying, no way, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. What would happen if you just gave up social media for just praying and fasting for those of you that say, well, I can't give up eating. Can you give up social media for the next three days? Can you do that? Yeah, I'm getting a really dirty looks, but let me move on. So there's also a play in words when I use the word altar because we, we present this at the altar. We say, come to the altar. And the altar, you get that from the Old Testament where they sacrifice animals and sacrifice, sacrifices were made at the altar. Things die at the altar. And we believe when we come to the altar, self dies. And we make sacrifices to God. It's a place where we come into prayer. And we come before God. And we make commitments to God. It's the altar. So again, Peter's reminding them they were not a people, but there are people today. And then he says this, furthermore, in 1 Peter 2.11, he says, Dear friend, you're like foreigners and strangers in this world. He says, I beg you to avoid evil things. Your bodies want to do that. Fight against your soul. Another version says this. This is the easy version for some of you that didn't catch the other version, okay? It says, my friend, remember that you are really strangers in this world. You do not belong here. So I'm telling you, uh, I'm telling you not to do the bad things that your bodies may want to do. Those bad things fight against what's what is good for your soul. So Peter is reminding them. Or he's reminding us that we're just people passing through. That this world is temporary. That we, we have temporary residency here. That really we're aliens, so to speak. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we're passing through. We're coming through this world. But, but this world is not our permanent home. And so therefore, don't give in to the desires of this world because it's toxic, because it will stain your soul, and it's not worth it. So here's the reality that all of us live with, and we've all come to grips with this, that there's two natures that are inside of us. The new nature that wants to do what's right, and the old nature that wants to do what's bad, right? And they're constantly fine. What nature wins, right? It's like two dogs. What dog stays alive? It's the dog you feed the most, right? So what nature lives in your life? Look at the way Galatians said, the Galatians 5.17 said, the old nature loves to do evil, which is opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants, and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces, what, are constantly fighting each other. And your choices are never free from this conflict. So as long as you live on this earth... As long as you're here, there's always going to be this battle that is within. You're never going to be free from it. That battle that your old nature wants to do what's wrong. And the new nature wants to do what is right. And it all boils down to this. Are you ready for this? The root of every problem, listen to me, 
is self-centeredness. So I'm going to talk about today how our selfishness needs to be altered. Your selfishness needs to die at the altar. Because believe it or not, every one of us deals with selfishness. In fact, behind every conflict, behind every argument, behind every relational strain, I'm going to show you right now, the root of it, the very uh, point of where it comes from, the heart of it is self-centeredness. Look at what James says. Do you know where your fights and arguments come from? They come from selfish desires that war within you. He says, you want things, but you do, you do not have them, so you argue and you fight. So if you want a great relationship with your friends, if you want a great relationship with your husband or with your wife, if you want to get married and you desire to, to have that, you desire to have great relationships, it starts inside of you. It doesn't start inside of your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your child, your parent. Hey, the change starts with you. Say me. Me, yeah. And so I got this quote the other day, and I think it applies. The change I want to see must first begin in me. So all of us want to see changes, but guess what? The change you want to see is the change that must first begin in me. It starts inside of you. All of us need a major alteration. We need a major realignment. We need some serious Holy Spirit work in us. We need a major alignment in our motivations. We have to learn how to stop being selfish. And we have to be honest about selfishness. We have to be honest about being selfish because all of us have this self-centeredness about us. And here's where I want us to be honest. Could you do the right thing with the wrong motive? Is it possible that we can even do good things out of selfish motives? And my answer to you is absolutely you can. How many people do you know that are taking care or they're really good to their grandparents only because they want a good inheritance? How many people do you know that treat the boss real good? Oh, yes, boss. Yes, your jefe, you know, mayordomo, capital, all of that. Because you're kissing up to the boss. You want a promotion, right? How many of us, we flatter people because we want them to flatter us. Or we do things for people so that we can hold it over their heads and say, you owe me. And so with the time that you need something, you can say, hey, remember, you keep score. So you're doing something good with a selfish desire. You give people birthday gifts so that when it's your birthday, you're going to get gifts. We can even do things in church to be recognized. And you can say, man, look at me. I'm, I'm looking, man. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm serving right now, man. Is anybody watching? Anybody looking at me? Man, I'm going to post myself in church. You know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being humble. I'm just serving, you know. That's what I do when I come to church. Every Sunday. And so, again, it could be stained with selfishness. It can be stained with self-centeredness. It's not my nature, think about it, it's not my nature to think of you first, and it's not your nature to think of me first. 
we all think about ourselves first. How many of you last night were thinking about all my problems? You weren't thinking about pastor's problems last night. Man, I'm so worried about pastors and all his problems. You know what problems you were worried about? Your own problems. I mean, really, I didn't get a text last night from five or six people. They said, Pastor, we're just thinking about your problems and just want you to know. We're thinking about all the issues you're going through. You were thinking about your issues. We're all selfish. I said, we're all selfish. Not one of us was staying up worrying about everybody else. It's human nature to think about ourselves. In fact, it's unnatural. Let me say this again. It is unnatural to think about others first. It's our natural desire to think about ourselves. Now, if you're saying, well, that's not true, you're kidding yourself. You're lying. Because we think about ourselves all the time. How do I look? What's my image? How do I appear? How many times have you been in a group and they take a picture and you want to look at that picture and who, who, who are you looking for first? You're looking at yourself. They say, well, how, how did I look? Oh, don't post that. Oh, no, no. That, everybody else look good. Yeah, but I don't look. No, don't post that. Uh-uh. I do not give you permission to post that. No, I, I had my eyes closed. No, my lips weren't right. My hair is not right. I took a picture the other day. Well, not the other day, but not too, too long ago. Uh, we, we, we'd seen somebody at, at, at a place. My wife and I were there, and we hadn't seen them in a while, and they wanted to take a picture. And she said, Pastor, would you take a picture? Sure, I'll take a picture. And then she looks, she goes, oh, I, I can't use this picture. Can you take another one? I go, what happened? No, no, no that picture don't work. That, that's, that's not going to work. She goes, let me stand behind your wife. It's not, that's not, you know, in other words, her angle wasn't good, though, I guess. Hope she's not watching, but that's how it worked. I won't name any names. See, we always have this selfishness about us. So what is a selfie? Short for selfishness, right? It actually means self-portrait. We want to see ourselves. Well, what they're coming up with today, they found that selfies are kilfies. Because people now are standing in cliffs and train tracks and in front of animals and bridges trying to get the right picture so that they can get the right angle, so that they get the right, uh, uh, right amount of likes. In fact, look at some of these pictures right here. You can see how risky these pictures are. And these people are just, they're trying to get all the likes. They're trying, look at this other picture here. And then we got this other picture here of this girl. Yeah, I know the marijuana plant, but don't worry about that. Uh, that's the problem with these when you're taking selfies. Don't do marijuana. And then she's on that guy's shoulders. You see that? And so what they found since 2000, I believe it's 2005, there have been 379 deaths because of selfies. And the number is getting higher and higher every year because people want to get the most likes. They want to get the most. But what is it all about? It's about self. And even when people think about this, that we supposedly love, we even put ourselves first before them. How many arguments do we get into with our husband or wife or friend because we're selfish? Men can be selfish, playing video games all day. The moment they get home, they're not talking to their wife. They're playing video games. And women can be selfish too. 
they manipulate their husband to buy them things they can't afford. And then they boast about it to other women. Look at what I got. Yeah, he'll, he'll buy me whatever I want. Oh, yeah, he'll just give me whatever I want. Yeah, he loves me. It's all selfishness. Now, I know it's nobody here. That's why I'm saying it. It doesn't apply to nobody. I'm just talking about people, the church down the street. So the root of every problem is selfishness. Secretly, we think we're pretty good. We may look really good on the outside, but Jesus even said it doesn't matter what's on the outside. In fact, the Lord tells Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 7, he said, For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at your heart. God looks at your motives. He looks at the spirit behind it. You can be very impressive on the outside. You can look very religious on the outside. But Jesus even says, not the outside that matters, it's the inside. In fact, the Pharisees were real religious people. They went to church every Sunday. They were really religious in everything they did. And Jesus called them out. Look at what Jesus says here, Matthew 23. He, got, he said, you guys look great on the outside, but inside you're a mess. Well, that's pretty bad. Outwardly, you got this whitewashed look that looks so great, but on the inside, you're like a tomb that's full of dead carcasses that are rotting. You think... He told the Pharisees, you know what you guys do? You wash the bowl and the cup on the outside, but the inside is still filthy. Could you imagine if you went to somebody's house and they just washed the outside of the bowl and say, hey, here you go. And they gave you some watermelon and a dirty. Oh, here you go. The outside is clean, though. That's all. You say, oh, no, no. No way. I'm not eating that. That's what God is saying. It's the inside that matters. It's not the outside. And our self-centeredness stains everything. Matthew 15, 18. The things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And this is what makes a man unclean. It's the, the outward behavior. It really is because what's inside of you. What come out of your heart. That's the root of the problem. The root of the problem is the heart of the problem. And it's inside your heart. It's what's going on. And so, so when you lash out, when you speak out, when you say things, it's because that is in your heart. We have a problem with our tongue. You may have a sarcastic tongue. You may have a sharp tongue, an angry tongue, a filthy tongue, a defensive tongue, a boasting tongue. But all that is doing is revealing what's in your heart. A judgmental tongue is evidence of a guilty heart. If you're always ready to judge and condemn others, you have a judgmental and guilty heart. An overreactive tongue is evidence of an unsettled heart. You have no peace. You overreact to everything that happens with your tongue. A boasting tongue is evidence of an insecure heart. You always have to tell others how great... Things are going for you. How much better you are than them. A bitter tongue is evidence of a resentful heart. Always have something evil to say because you're so bitter. A biting tongue is evidence of an angry heart. You have to bark at everyone because your heart is full of anger. What kind of heart do you have? What's it full of? So your mouth betrays who you really are. Have you ever met someone that said, man, I didn't mean to say that I was angry. No, you, I, I don't know where that came from. Oh, I know exactly where it came from. It's inside of you. You're selfish. And just remove the layers at the right time, and it'll just begin to bubble over. People can go from zero to 100. 
how quickly our mood can change, right? Because of what's inside it. It's like toothpaste. Whatever's inside is going to come out. And yet the Bible gives us very specific uh, lists of selfish things that we're capable of. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 5. It says uh, uh, the, uh, the, the wrong things the sinful uh, self does are clear, being sexually unfaithful. So adultery is a work of the flesh or the old nature. Hating, making trouble, being jealous, being angry, being selfish, making people angry with each other. Have I got to you yet? I'll get there. Causing division among people, feeling envy, being drunk, and doing other things like these. Uh, when you read the scripture, he goes, these are, these are works of the flesh. These are expressions of self-centeredness. It's destructive. It destroys home. It causes divorce. Uh, it destroys people's lives. Uh, I've seen it over and over again. Uh, it destroys churches. It destroys communities. Uh, it destroys nations. Uh, we're seeing a decline in our nation because of self-centeredness. People are consumed uh, with themselves. And yet the Bible warns us over and over about self-centeredness. Galatians 5.15 says, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say what? Live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful or selfish nature. So if you don't get anything today, I want you to get this. The primary truth is this. Your life is to learn how to be unselfish. Your goal, the Christian life, is to give yourself away. The Christian life is to be God-centered, other-centered, not self-centered. Jesus was the role model. He gave himself away. He loved others. He modeled the life that we're supposed to live. He never put himself first. He put God first. He put others first. If you don't learn a lesson in life, you may learn all kinds of other things, but you've got to learn how to be unselfish. All of us do. Learn to be like Christ. Well, it's quiet in here. And I would say that it's just not in our nature to give ourselves away. We are, we are selfish by nature, and this is why God wants to help us. So how do we become other-centered? How do we become God-centered? What do we have to do? What, what needs to be altered in our life? Now, before I tell you what we need to do, I'm going to tell you what doesn't work. Because many times we just think, well, I'm going to really work hard and really work, work hard at this, and I, I, I'm going I'm to do everything that I humanly can to be unselfish. And how many know by yourself, you can't be unselfish. You need God. Hallelujah. And I'll quote the great theologian Rodney King. Can't we all just get along? How many know that doesn't work? There's been some great songs. Come on, people now. Smile at your brother. Everybody get it together. Try to love one another right now. You heard that song? Oh, this is my, my era, the love train. People all over the world. Join hands, get on the love train. Yeah. yeah, you guys don't know what I'm talking about, but that was, that was a happening song at one time, the love train. It's, it's great songs, classic song, but bad theology, it doesn't work. 
you can try it and do it and do everything I could. You know, I, I've been with my husband for 20 years. We're not any closer now than when we first got married. I've had this relationship. I've been with this. I did that. And it doesn't seem to work because by yourself, it will not work. All the human effort is not going to change anything. We need a spiritual change. We need a spiritual alteration this morning. So here's what's going to help you today. Are you ready for this? Write this down. Number one, I have to face up to my sinful nature. You have to be honest. You have to admit that, hey, I've got selfishness in my life. Sometimes I don't even realize how selfish I am. I, sometimes I don't even see it. First John 1 John 1.8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. How many know you're not deceiving God? You're not even deceiving other people. They know you already. You're a selfish uh, whatever. And now you're trying to deceive yourself like this self-imposed deception. And again, even the good things that we do could be selfish. So this is why we have to dig deeper. We have to get more aware. We have to ask God to show us, Lord, where have I been selfish? Where have I been thinking about myself first? Uh, Lord, show me. It's got to be kind of your prayer. God, I don't want to be this selfish person. I, I don't want it to be just about me. Lord, I need you to make me aware. See, when you want to be aware, that means you care. When you don't care, you don't want to be aware. But look at what the psalmist says here in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See... If there be any wicked way in me, lead me in the way of everlasting. Now, when you first read it, it almost feels like you're, he's challenging God. God, I, I dare you to see if there's anything here. But in fact, this prayer is the opposite of that. He's actually saying, God, I want you to highlight. I want you to put a spotlight on where my selfishness is. When was the last time you prayed like that? When was the last time you said, God, put a searchlight right now? Where am I being selfish here? Where, where has it been about me? God, show me what I'm doing wrong. Show me where it's been me, myself, and I. When's the last time we prayed that prayer? When's the last time we renounced some of that selfishness? When's the last time we renounced some of those things? Because we usually like to conceal sin. We usually like to conceal. We don't like to admit. So if you're going to be honest, if you really want God to do some surgery in your life, Today, you're going to come to the altar and say, God, I've been selfish. Change my life. I'm sorry. Put a spotlight. Maybe the pastor, as he's preaching today, putting a spotlight in some areas in your life. Now, let me just be honest with you. For some of you, I've been accused of this. Some people said, Pastor, you, you, I know you were looking at me when you said that. I'm so offended. I planned to preach this sermon two months ago. How would I know you would be here today? How would I even know that? How would I even be aware? Maybe the Holy Spirit brought you here and that spotlight's on you today. Because there needs to be some alteration. Number two, are you ready for this? Write this down. If you really want God to work on your life, you want some real spiritual alteration, you got to face up to your disappointments in life. All of us have had some major disappointments in life. And we've been hurt We've been hurt by others. We've even been offended. I talked about that last week. But look at what it says in 1 Peter 3, 9. Don't repay evil for evil. 
Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. So, hey, man, you're not supposed to curse people. We're supposed to bless people. That is what God has called us to do, and he will grant you his blessing. So when people disappoint you, when people let you down, when people do you wrong, you're not called to curse them. You're called to bless them. People cut you off on the freeway. You don't show them the birdie. You say, God bless you, praying for you. Love you, man. Love you. People are rude to you in church. You don't want to fight people. You love them. God bless you, brother. Right? We're not trying to get back at people. We're not trying to go. We're not cursing people. We're blessing people. See, you can't deal with self-centeredness without dealing with your disappointments. And Jesus never sugarcoated it. He never apologized for the way life was going to be. In fact, he told us in John 16, he said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. He didn't say, maybe you're going to have it. He didn't say, if it's going to happen. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. There's going to be issues. There's going to be problems. There's going to be disappointments. This is why we don't go through things. We're supposed to grow through things. We have to face it. We have to deal with it. And I think sometimes the biggest disappointments, and I can tell you, one of the greater disappointments in life is after the wedding. I've seen couples, man, they plan weddings, they, they do all of this stuff to set up the, the right color, the, all of the, all the arrangements going, and after everything happens, and they think, man, you know, it's going to be from one celebration to the next celebration, it's just going to be celebration, celebration time, come on, right? It's going to be a celebration when we're married, the whole thing, it's just going to be on and on, it, it's never going to end, uh, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be profoundly disappointed. It's going to be a major letdown, I'm going to tell you. Some of you are disappointed today. You're disappointed in your husband. You're disappointed in your wife. You're disappointed in your children. They're not as perfect as you thought. And you're saying, what happened? Man, what happened? How come, I don't, how come they have this child and I have this child? Just be honest. You're disappointed in your parents. How come I had these parents? And look at those parents are so great. How come I didn't have those kind of parents? How come, you know, you're disappointed in your friends? How come they have those friends and I have these kind of friends? And, and so life, can I tell you, life is going to be disappointing. And you'd have to face up to it. You have to realize there's going to be disappointment. People are going to let you down. You're going to let people down. To every one of us, we've been let down and we've let other people down. We have, just to be honest. And so what's the root of this life disappointment? Can I tell you what the root of disappointment is? Uh, is you're expecting other people to meet needs that only God can meet. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. No one, can let me tell you, no one can live to your expectation. That person don't exist. Oh, man, I wish the pastor was this way. But believe me, that pastor don't exist. I'm still looking for that guy, too. I can't find him. He don't exist. We have this expectation on people that they're going to meet all of our needs, that they're always going to treat you kindly, that they're going to love you unconditionally, that they're always going to value you, and they're never going to do You're setting yourself up for disappointment. You're never supposed to put that on people. 
I dare you not to meet my needs. I'm your family. You're supposed to do all this for me. That, that's the root of it right there. You're not facing up to your disappointment, so you're becoming selfish. And behind your disappointment is you're saying, I deserve better. See how selfish you are? I deserve better. Oh, my husband ought to treat me this way. My, my wife ought to treat me that way. See, I deserve somebody better. Maybe I'll find somebody else. It's all about selfishness. Your disappointment is really saying how selfish you are. Well, my kids don't measure up. My parents don't measure up. My friends don't measure up. And so you become offended. You become hurt. And you justify your selfishness. Am I preaching this morning? Because you're so disappointed on everybody else. And you're not facing up. Well, I have a right to be disappointed. The world owes me. I have a right to be hurt. I have a right to do. A, I have a right to steal. You know, I'm poor. I have a right to do this. You don't have any excuse for selfishness. I said, there's no excuse. Never can you justify selfishness. And if we're not careful, we begin to keep score on people. Remember I ministered that series on keeping score? You do for me, I do for you. You don't do for me, I don't do for you. And we do things. We measure up, right? We keep score. I took you, you know, I took you to Black Angus. You only took me to McDonald's. You're still a little still short. Still owe me. I need like three more McDonald's and then, then we're okay. See, that's how we keep score. You laugh because that's exactly what you do. So here we are. Selfishness is never excusable. And so this is why we need to really, really look at life, man, because life is going to be disappointing. And I'm not here today to minimize your hurt. Maybe you've gone through some major hurt in your life, some things that were really hard to shake off in your life. But can I tell you something? God hurts with you. He feels the pain. He'll help you through your hurts. Can you say amen? That's what the Bible says. Isaiah 53 says, but he took our suffering on him, felt our pain for us. We saw his suffering and thought God was, he can help you with your hurt. He can heal you from your hurt. And so Jesus today wants to heal you from your hurt. When you're self-centered, you become just like the people that hurt you. You'll never get healed if you don't realize, you know what? I need God to help me with this. I have to let it go. I have to forgive. And so here's a couple of things we need to lean on if we're going to be healed or we're going to be free from selfishness. Write this down. We need to lean on God's grace, more on God's grace for me or for you. All of us need to lean on God's grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace uh, is something that's given to you when you didn't earn it, nor did you deserve it. I see this all the time. Most of us, you, if, you, if you're on social media, you'll see there's one guy, I forget his name. I think it's, uh, I forget the guy's name. But anyway, he'll come up to people and he'll say, hey, uh, uh, do, do you have a laptop? He'll go to these colleges and these guys are on the computer. No, I don't have a laptop. He goes, oh, you don't have one? He gets he get the laptop, a MacBook, and gives it to them. And they go, uh, why? What? What's the catch? Nothing. Just want to give it to you. I just want to give it away. And they go, what's the catch? See, that's, that's, that's grace. He gives people $1,000. Here goes $1,000. like, what? Oh, here's 100 for you. Here's 100 He'll go around and go, man, that's awesome. I'm still trying to find that guy. I'm looking for that guy. <laughs> trying to find where is his location at. <laughs> so we're, can, I, can I just kind of linger around like I'm just kind of, you know, I'm hoping like one day I'll see him and I'll kind of linger around, you know, like, 
Maybe you'll come up to me. I'm just kidding. I'm usually going like, really? I'll, I'll give you a dollar, Pastor. But anyway, I need more than a dollar, okay? But anyway, here, that's grace. He's giving you something you don't deserve. And so we need more God's grace. Otherwise, you're going to get depressed. Otherwise, you're going to fall short and you're going to, say, what? You're going to fall, get depressed because of massive disappointment with people. You're going to get depressed because all these things are happening in your life. You need the grace of God. You need to realize that he is the God of grace. And all the things that you've ever done in your life, God gives you grace for. Look at what Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 15.9. I am the least of the apostles. I'm not even fit to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. If you know his history, he put uh, Christians in prison. He persecuted. But he said, but by the grace of God. Say grace. grace. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than all of them. Yet not I, but what? The grace of God, which was with me. Because of grace, he said, I'm forgiven. Because of grace... I'm empowered. Because of grace, I don't have to be selfish. I can be thankful. Huh? Because of grace, I thank God that he empowers me to love others. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. That's the grace of God. See, the bad news is we're going to be stained by sin. The good news is his grace forgives us. Psalm 51 says, I've committed, this is Paul, this is David says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out all of my sin. In other words, I'm always going to blow it, but God, thank God you, you help me, you give me grace. Colossians 2, 14, God canceled our debt, which listed all the rules that we failed to follow. How many can say amen to that? But he took away that record with its rules and he nailed it to the cross. This is such an important act that Jesus wants us to remember is that he paid the price for our sin. This is why you need more and more grace in your life. This ought to cause you to be more unselfish. Jesus was so unselfish, he gave his life for you. How much should you give your life for others? How much more should you forget about yourself and think more about what God's done in your life? Philippians says that God is working in you, giving you the desire, the power to do what pleases him. You can't even be like God without his power, without his strength. And the last one, write this down. If we're going to live unselfishly, we have to learn how to live and follow the Spirit's leading. The Spirit of God will lead you and he will teach you. You can't do it by yourself. This is why I'm saying I can give you and tell you, yeah, let's all be unselfish. That's not going to help you. You need the Holy Spirit's grace. You need him empowering you. You need him leading you. And this is what it said, Galatians 5, 16, live by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of selfish, sinful nature. It doesn't say you won't have the desires. It doesn't say that you won't ever deal with it. In fact, you're going to deal with it the rest of your life. But he'll give you the power when you live by the Spirit and follow what the Spirit of God tells you. In fact, Galatians 5.25 says, we get our new life from the Spirit. So we should follow the Spirit. We must not be proud or make trouble with others or to be jealous. So what is the result of following the Spirit of God? What is the result of living by the Spirit of God? 
Well, the Bible said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See how unselfish all of that is? You want to make a difference in your relationship? Start, start living by the Spirit of God. Start following what the Spirit of God says. In that same chapter, he says, uh, the things that are the flesh, he says, are, are sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. He says all these dissensions and all that. He goes, those are works of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, all of these things. The fruit of the Spirit is what helps us become more and more like Jesus. Helps us to be more and more unselfish. Can you say amen? I don't know about you, but I want to live by the Spirit of God. I want to be led by His Spirit today. It's not trying harder. It's allowing God's grace to work within you. It's a little bit more surrender. Say, God, I need you. So I'm going to pray. Why don't you bow your head? Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.